The Federal Reserve meets eight times a year to decide whether to adjust interest rates. And at each of the last eight meetings, the Fed has raised interest rates in hopes of bringing down inflation. But heading into the Fed's meeting this week, no one was quite sure what the Fed was going to do. Raise rates again? Or finally step on the brakes? Here's our colleague Nick Timrose. I've covered the Fed for the Wall Street Journal for six years, and we've never had a situation like this one where the decision was so uh, up in the air, leading right into the meeting. We are expecting another decision from the Federal Reserve Wednesday on interest rates. The Federal Reserve faces a tough decision today about whether to continue raising interest rates. This historic day, just a few minutes now, from the biggest Fed decision on interest rates in some years. The most important Fed decision in recent memory now, less than 15 minutes away. The reason there was so much suspense around this meeting is because the Fed is now dealing with a new problem. They aren't just fighting inflation anymore. They're also fighting a banking crisis after two banks collapsed and others continue to face pressure. So the Fed has two problems on its hands, inflation and a banking crisis. Which one is worse? Well, they're both really bad. And, and, you know, you don't really want to have to deal with either one, let alone both at the same time. Financial instability and a serious inflation problem. That's the sort of thing the Fed has been trying to avoid over the past year. And then, yesterday afternoon, the moment finally arrived. Good afternoon. Fed Chair Jerome Powell announced the agency's decision. At today's meeting, the committee raised the target range for the federal funds rate by a quarter percentage point. A quarter of a percentage point, which brings the Fed's benchmark interest rate to a range between 4.75 and 5%. It's the highest it's been since 2007, right before the financial crisis. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Thursday, March 23rd. Coming up on the show, how the Federal Reserve is navigating inflation and the banking crisis. This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen, but there are things that can help you stay focused, like the fully electric seven-seater Volvo EX90. It was made to help keep you and those around you on the road safe, with LiDAR technology that can see what you sometimes can't, and a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. Our colleague Nick Timrose had a busy day yesterday. He started out in D.C. at the Fed's press conference. But when we spoke to him, he was at the airport looking for his car. I'm like 30 seconds away. Sometimes you have to, like, make the car honk. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, all right. Nick was about to catch a flight. So I chatted with him once he found his car. So the last time you were on the show, which was just a couple of weeks ago... We were talking about how the economy was still really hot and how inflation was still really high and how the Fed might have to get even more aggressive with its interest rate increases. Right. Hiring was stronger. Inflation was higher. And in fact, some of the 
reports from the end of last year were revised up. So the Fed was looking at an economy that had more momentum and more strength than they had anticipated or, frankly, than they had wanted to see. The economy was so hot, the Fed was signaling that it might have to raise rates even faster than they'd already been doing. But then... Regulators seized the assets of Silicon Valley Bank, marking the largest bank failure since the 2008 financial crisis. The latest alarm bells have been sounding around Credit Suisse, one of Europe's largest banks. The word you're looking for here is bank run, and that's exactly what happened. So when the banking crisis begins, what does that mean for the Fed's rate-raising plans? Like, what are the sort of options in front of them while this is going on? When Silicon Valley Bank failed on Friday, March 10th, you weren't going to do a larger rate increase into a banking crisis. So the question for this meeting was really, will they raise interest rates at all? Or will they say, you know what, we're just going to skip here. We're going to take a time out. We're going to chill out and see how this is actually going to influence, you know, broader economic conditions. And if we need to raise rates again, then they could go ahead and do that. You know, an earthquake hit, and sometimes after an earthquake, you don't go stand under a tall building. You wait and see if there are aftershocks. You check to make sure that the roads and the bridges are secure, and then you get on with your life afterwards. But it's not easy to figure out which way to go. The problem for the Fed is there isn't some model that you can run this through that says, oh, here's how much of a slowdown in GDP or inflation you get when there's a recession or when there's a banking crisis. So... Why did the Fed decide to go with a quarter of a percentage point increase? As opposed to zero? Yeah, or as opposed to a half point. Well, there was clearly a lot of concern about the economy being in a much different place now because of these banking stresses. So a half point was uh, off the table after you had a bank run. So it would be sort of crazy if you're saying, you know, we're in an unusual and exigent circumstance, but we're going to go ahead and do a much larger rate increase. Nick says that part of the reason they didn't do a zero increase is because Fed officials worried that it might send the wrong signal that the fight against inflation was over. You know, the Fed did not want to pause and have the market interpret that as your next move is going to be a cut. That would have ignited a rally or a melt-up in the market. And when markets rally, that would be counterproductive to a central bank like the Fed that wants to slow down the economy. So there are risks if they do a zero-point increase, and there are risks if they do a quarter-point increase. It's sort of like not a great situation either way. That's right. After the break, what Powell said about the likelihood of future rate increases. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with GlobalX ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. GlobalX specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Voice API, you get comprehensive call analytics, virtual assistance, automated speech recognition, and text-to-speech benefits across multiple languages. Developers can add smart voice functionalities into your app, 
giving your customers an easier way to reach you. And you can start collecting real-time data to drive more meaningful engagement to move your business forward. Learn more at Vonage.com. Right now, the Federal Reserve has two battles to fight, a banking crisis and inflation. How difficult is it to solve both of these problems at the same time? It's really difficult. It's a big challenge to solve both of these problems at the same time. It's not a place the Fed ever wanted to be. The Fed says it has different tools for each problem, one tool for inflation and another for banking instability. Or at least that's the idea. So the tool for dealing with inflation has been interest rates. You're going to try to slow down hiring, spending, and investment with with higher interest rates. And so you're using the monetary policy tool for the inflation job. The Fed's tool for dealing with a banking crisis is almost the opposite. Rather than slow things down, the Fed wants to pump money into the banking system. How do you deal with financial instability? You lend to the institutions that need it. You provide guarantees in the form of, you know, bailing out these uninsured depositors so you don't make the banking problems worse. But at a certain point, if the banking problems get severe enough, then that's not going to work anymore. You're going to have a lot of spillovers into the economy, and pretty soon you won't be worrying about high inflation. You'll be worrying about really weak growth and the unemployment rate rising to a really horrifically high level. In other words, if the banking crisis gets a lot worse, we could see a much more painful economic downturn. That's right. Even though the Fed would like to keep the banking crisis and inflation separate, some economists are drawing a link between the two. In fact, some say this crisis could have the same cooling effect on the economy that an increase in interest rates would. At the Fed's press conference yesterday, Nick asked Powell about that. Nick Timoros of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Chair Powell, in your testimony two weeks ago, you had indicated you thought the terminal rate would be higher. Obviously, that was To translate this into plain English, Nick wanted to know how the banking crisis impacted the Fed's decision on interest rates. Are you waiting to see it in the data before you incorporate uh, that potential tightening into your forecasts? So, you know, we've just come from an FOMC meeting and, uh, you know, the, the people who write the... Powell said that some Fed officials thought the banking crisis might have the same effect as a rate increase. What I heard was significant number of people saying that they anticipated there would be some, uh, some tightening of credit conditions and that would really have the same effects as, as our policies do. And that therefore... The Fed is very careful about its choice of words. And Powell pointed out how some of its language had changed and hinted that the Fed might stop raising interest rates sooner than previously expected. Really, I would focus on, on the words may and some, uh, as opposed to ongoing. ongoing. So we, we clearly were, what we were doing there was taking on board the, trying to reflect the uncertainty about what will happen. I mean, it, it's... So what does all this tell you about how the Fed is thinking about the economy right now? It tells you that trying to figure out where the economy is going to go in the next three or six months is really really hard. And of course, it's been hard through the pandemic. We've been through so many of these sort of, you know, once in a hundred years kind of events. But the degree of difficulty with kind of fine-tuning economic management, which is what the Fed does, it just got a whole heck of a lot harder. What is this going to mean now for everyday consumers? 
Well, it depends. I mean, longer-term borrowing costs actually fell on Wednesday. Mortgage rates came down. Um, So in some sense, you know, the cost to get a mortgage actually came down. But if banks begin to pull back on who they're making loans to, it may be harder for people to access that credit. And if banks make it harder for people and businesses to take out loans? If businesses are finding that it's harder to get money to invest, to expand, then that means we're going to see less job creation than you could see layoffs. If there's a downturn in housing markets, that's going to mean less construction, less employment, fewer home sales. There will be ripple effects through the economy from all of this. Did J-PAL say anything about the likelihood of a recession now? You can tell from the projections that Fed officials are putting forward that they think there's going to be and maybe needs to be a slowdown in the economy. They're not saying how much of a slowdown we need to have. And Powell has been talking about this sort of optimistic idea of a soft landing, which is where you bring inflation down by slowing the economy just enough to avoid a recession, but not so much that you send the unemployment rate up a ton. But when he was asked about that on Wednesday, I think you heard more of a resignation that, you know, there may be a recession here. And there's a hope that the recession won't be very bad. But as Powell said on Wednesday, when we go into a recession, you know, you can't really model what's going to happen. These, you know, psychology takes over. These things can feed on themselves. And so that's why you really don't want to get into a situation where you have high inflation in the economy and the Fed has to raise interest rates in a way where you're taking on more risk of causing a recession. Is there any hope left of a soft landing, of bringing the plane down softly, or or has the plane pretty much already crashed? Well, it hasn't crashed yet, but maybe it's run out of fuel and you're just, you're hoping that the pilot can manage the, the improbable I went back and looked at, uh, you know, newspaper clippings before every recession that we've had, you know, back to the early 1970s. And there's always newspaper articles saying, you know, maybe we're going to have the soft landing now. They always, you always see these right before the economy falls into a recession. So soft landings are rare. They're a little bit like Hail Marys. When they work out, they look beautiful, but they don't happen all that often. Thank God that they're rare in the economy and not on actual plane flight. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. At least we're not flying planes here, right? Um, Especially as you're sitting in the parking lot of an airport about to take off for a flight yourself. Yes. If the pilot from my plane said, I don't know if we're going to have a soft landing, I probably wouldn't get on the plane. all for today, Thursday, March 23rd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. If you like our show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.